This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. One from the locker of Offscript Extra Time. Welcome back to Offscript Extra Time and a new feature that we're rolling out over the next couple of weeks. It's Into the Locker, where we take a closer look at sporting icons and the stories that define them. Tonight, in light of that Olympics conversation we've just had with Mr Simon Clegg, we take you back to our exclusive interview with the greatest Olympian of all time. It's this man. Representing the United States of America, Michael Phillips. Yes, Michael Phelps, the man who won an unprecedented 28 Olympic medals and quite incredibly, 23 of which were gold. And to put that into some perspective, Russian gymnast Larissa Latnina is second on that list with 18 medals in total with four athletes tied second for golds on nine. Yeah, Carl Lewis, one of those. But Michael Phelps, well, he really is an extraordinary man. And that shined through when Robbie and I played good cop, bad cop with him. That was back on his last visit, in actual fact, to Dubai back in 2017. Yeah, we delved into the psyche of Michael Phelps, the disciplinarian, the athlete, and, of course, the man. First up, we wanted to find out whether Michael got as much satisfaction out of the daily grind that he did standing atop of the podium with gold around his neck? Um, probably, I mean, it's probably a good way of saying it, just because, you know, for me, I mean, if I look back to 2000, my first Olympics, that was a process that, to help me get to where I ended up. You know, the learning experiences that I had from 2000 Olympics helped me in 04. What happened in 04 helped me in 08. What happened in 08, I chose to not let help me in 2012. And in 16, I was able to kind of compile them all together to help me actually be happy and to love what I was doing. So it, it, it is a process to go through when, when you want to be successful at something. It's not, I mean, if you look at this city, the city wasn't built in a day, right? So, you know, it's a, it, it takes time to truly reach your goals and reach your potential. And through that process, you will have ups and you will definitely have downs. Um, but I think it, like, that's... You know, for me, when I had my downs, that's where I was able to have the support that I had. And, and you know, for me, always wanting to get better, always wanting to get stronger. And, and um, that process, like I said, now I can look at myself in the mirror and be happy with who I see. I reminded Michael, Chris, when we spoke on the stage about an advert that it gave him a sense of catharsis, I thought, because it, it really captured his career in, in such a nice, neat little 60-second clip or whatever it was. Well. It's a brilliant ad. It's on YouTube. It's called Rule Yourself. And it's all about things you do in the dark that yes. help you shine in the light. That was the, the, yeah. the beautifully put sort of payoff line. It actually brought him to tears when he saw it. Uh, we reminded him of it, and, well, he gave us a little taste of what he had to go through. Nobody really saw what I did behind closed doors and the amount of training I did and, and you know, recovery, sleep, eat, uh, everything that went into me being able to be me and do what I had to do. 
Um, so that's just a little taste of, of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And, and it's true in every walk of life, right? You know, like, we're all working hard at a goal that we have. And a lot of people don't really see what we do behind closed doors. But once we accomplish that goal, then other people around you get to see what you're working so hard towards. So for me, you know, being able to come back and being able to have one more Olympics and, and to be able, like we were saying earlier, finish my career on top, that's a little taste of what I had to go through over 20 years. And that's a little taste of the kind of softball questions that I was throwing, <laughs> Michael, on the stage. But we were too pronged with this attack. And off air, off stage, our investigative journalist, well, he was pinning Michael down, not literally, I should add. And, well, he asked him what exactly was his secret. Um, working harder. I mean, I, honestly, like, it, you know, what I did wasn't rocket science. You know, it's, you know, for me as a kid, I had dreams bigger than anybody else could ever dream. And, and um, I wanted to be the greatest. I wanted to be the best. And, and you know, I think it's, it's, I always wanted to be the first Michael Phelps because I wanted to do things differently than everybody else. So for me, when I went through a span of five or six years where I didn't miss a single day of training, 365 days a year, that made me different. I got 52 extra days each year than anybody else had. And in the sport of swimming, if you miss one day, it takes you two days to get back to where you were. So everybody else is taking a step back on Sunday when they weren't swimming, and I was taking that one step forward. So for me, that's, that's really all it was. I was willing, I think, to make sacrifices. And I think the greats, I, I, I love this, the greats do things when they don't always want to. And I think that's what separates good from great. We're now moving on. We've heard about Michael Phelps, the disciplinarian. Michael Phelps, the, the man with the work ethic. It's time to talk about Michael Phelps, the athlete. It certainly is. And for this little next segment, we are taking... Well, we took a little question from one of our youngest fans. Little Joseph, 10 years old. His mum texted in. Joseph wanted to know just who was the biggest influence in Michael Phelps' career and helping him become the athlete that he went on to become. I mean, I think a lot went into really me being able to accomplish what I did. And, and you know, I think when I first got with my coach in, in I guess, what year was that? 96. I found somebody that believed in me and that, that truly thought that I could do anything I wanted to. Um, and for me, that was something big because I never really had a father growing up. So he was somebody who acted as a father for me. And, you know, just hearing that and feeling that and trusting that, I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I believed that he could do everything he told me, but I did. And he held up on his side of the deal. You know, everything that I ever wanted to accomplish, I expressed to him, and we did it together. Um, so, you know, that's why I say to these kids, never give up. I've got, like I said, I've gone through the worst things in the world, and I've had some of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, and it all started when I got with my coach back in 96. He doesn't actually name-check him there, does Michael Phelps. He is, of course, talking about Bob Bowman. He found Michael, I say found, he discovered Michael Phelps at the tender age of just 10. He stuck with him through thick and thin throughout his career. And as you heard there, Michael Phelps admitting he didn't really have a father figure growing up. Bob Bowman stepped into that breach. Very close 
family man as Michael Phelps as well, very close to his mother Debbie and his two sisters, but it was really Bob Bowman who discovered him and instilled the belief that one day Michael Phelps could go on to become the greatest Olympian of all time. And the only coach that I can even think of that could be held in the same breath as Bob Bowman is Uncle Tony with Rafa Nadal, because he has the longevity. Uh, We mentioned Customato as well with Mike Tyson, a a man who played the role of a father figure, but um, was absolutely integral to the development of Michael Phelps, certainly in his formative years, and they stayed together throughout his entire career. Yes, so after spending his entire life in the pool, striving for greatness under the watchful eye of Bob Bowman, the obvious question from here for Michael was, does he miss it? No, uh, and, and honestly, I don't know when I will. You know, it's, it's, my whole career has been so like go, go, go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And I've never really had the chance to sit back and take it all in. So for me, you know, I've kind of worked my way until uh, up to 2008 and, and my wife and I had the chance to go to China and, and we took our son over and I was going through the moments where I was in certain lanes and, and replaying all the races in my head and, and kind of explaining what was going on in my head to my wife and, and I think that's where I'm at right now and, and I would say that from 2004 to two, or 2008 to 2012, I think those four years will probably be the most challenging for me. Um, just because I, was, I wasn't truly engaged in what I was doing and I didn't really want to swim. So I think those um, four years will be the most challenging and obviously the last three or two, the two or three were the best. Uh, I had the most, in, most fun, I think, in Rio and um, I think it showed. I can ask you guys, I don't know. Um, but, but I enjoyed it and I think that was the best part about it. You know, for me, finishing exactly how I wanted to, I, I think there's, there's no better way to do it and... and um, you know, being able to have my family there, my son there, um, and, and just kind of hang my suit up how I wanted to. That was my number one goal and, and never have a what if. As the conversation moves on, Michael talks about what his lofty goals were. Where did those lofty goals to change a sport come from? And when we asked him what he misses most about competing, he quickly said nothing. But it does turn out, turn out that there is still something that he does pine for. Having the opportunity to represent my country, I think, was, it was one of the coolest things in the world. You know, this past, uh, I guess last summer, I was, I was um, voted to carry my flag, carry our flag out in opening ceremonies. And that was something that was one of the coolest things ever. Um, every time I talk about it, it still sends chills up my body. Um, you know, having that opportunity to lead our country into the 2016 Olympics would be something that I'll remember forever and something I'll cherish forever. I think probably the number one thing I'll miss is, is standing on top of the podium with a gold medal around your neck, listening to your national anthem play. Um, there's nothing better than that. And, and um, I've had the opportunity a couple of times to hear that. And, and um, it'll stink not doing it, not having it anymore. But um, turn it over to somebody else and... and, and Hopefully we can continue the tradition of, of making sure we, we hear our national anthem. And, and uh, you know, I think that's the cool part about swimming now is there are so many different countries that are, that are getting so much more powerful. Um, and, and you see a lot of different countries having the chance to win a, a, an Olympic medal, period. Um, and in the past, I think, in the sport of swimming, it was so much Australia, USA. And now the whole world is basically coming up and competing for these medals. And I think that's something that's truly a treat to watch. And, and just seeing the sport change. You had a, uh, I think your goal when you were 15 was to change the sport of swimming. Uh, where did that come from? Because I suppose most athletes, they just want to win the event in front of them. They don't have a lofty goal like that. Did that come from anywhere? My heart. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, for me, 
growing up in the swimming world, I've seen, you know, how much uh, swimming or how big swimming is in Australia, and I wanted that in the U.S. And it, it's it's changed a lot. Um, and and you know, like I said in 2016, you know, being able to listen to kids say, "I had your photo on my wall as motivation," and to be able to share an Olympics with them, um, seeing them achieve their goals and their dreams. Uh, I think it's just something that's showing me that the sport is changing and, and um, the influence that I've had throughout my career is showing. And I think that's something that is, is, is a, it's a treat to be able to see and to be able to be you know, a part of it. He's a year into his retirement. Doesn't seem like it, does it, Chris? A year ago, he wrapped things up on the perfect note in Rio de Janeiro. And, uh, well, we wanted to know what was next for Michael Phelps, aside from dodging questions from you and pandering <laughs> to easy questions from me at the inauguration of, of the Under Armour store at Dubai Mall. What was this self-confessed ADD sufferer going to do next? Here's what he had to say. What I'm doing now is probably more challenging than swimming for an Olympics, just because it's something different, right? So... But what I'm doing now, I think, is so much more exciting. You know, being able to stand out of the pool and, and whether it's helping them in the pool, helping kids in the pool, trying to, you know, explain certain things that I've learned throughout my career. Um, talking about mental health is something that's truly a, a, a big part of my life. You know, for me, I can say I've gone through depression a handful of times and, and found myself in the darkest place possible, not wanting to be alive. And, and, you know, being able to battle through that and still be able to come back and do exactly what I wanted to do in 2016, um, I think shows that anybody can do it. You can do anything you put your mind to, and I think that's something that we all should believe. Um, you know, I, by no means has my career been absolutely perfect, but the goals that I've had and the dreams that I've had have allowed me to be able to accomplish anything I've ever put my mind to. And that goes for everybody else in this room as well. Um, water safety is something that's so important to me as well. We lose too many kids and, and too many adults to drowning incidents, and that needs to change. So that's, a, that's something that we're working on every single day, and, and um, I think we're in over 200 countries with Special Olympics worldwide trying to help and, and teach kids to be water safe. Um, plus, continuing to grow my brand. Um, my, my swim brand is uh, new to the swimming world, and... and you know, having the history of being able to work with a company for an extended period of time and now being able to have hands-on experience where I can build a suit, I can build a cap, I can build goggles that I think are the best anywhere from learn to swim all the way up to the highest level of competition. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's exciting. Um, and I think going through my first retirement helped me to now be able to go through my second retirement and... and I guess it, it taught me a lot. You know, I think before I was so lost on what I really wanted to do, and, and now I'm able to have goals outside of the sport of swimming um, just to be able to, to try to help as many people as I want. And, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, if you asked me what my legacy would be, I think that's what it would be. I'd want to be able to save more lives than, than win a gold medal. I think that's way more important. And, and um, over time, you guys will see the initiatives that we're doing and, and the things that we're uh, working towards. And, and um, you know, I mean... There are way too many suicides each year, and, 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 you know, I've gotten to the point where I understand it's okay to not be okay. Like, I mean, I've, like I said, I've, I've been in the worst spots in the world, and, and um, I've still been able to get out of them with the help that I have from people around me uh, and, and the desire that I have inside of me. 
One from the locker of Offscript Extra Time. Welcome back to Offscript Extra Time. This is our chat with the greatest Olympian of all time. It is Mr. Michael Phelps. Yeah, we've heard in depth from the swimming legend about the process, his debt of gratitude to his longtime mentor, Bob Bowman, and why he doesn't miss it. The million dollar question here, though, and anyone with aspirations of being the very best in your chosen field, you might want to have a piece of paper and pen ready for this one because, well, it's what made him so great. I mean, the biggest thing I think that really separated me through my career was my mental game, everything that was in between my ears. Like, for me, it's just, I, I eventually got to the point where I was competing against myself because I was so hard on myself. And, you know, for me to improve, I had to get stronger mentally, and I had to find a way to do it. And, and I think my coach helped me get through that process and learn more. So for me, like, when I, when I would visualize, I visualize every single, I mean, Getting up to a meet, I would visualize probably a month or so in advance just of what could happen, what I want to happen, and what I don't want to happen. Because when it happened, I was prepared for it. So, you know, when I go into 2008 and my, in, in the 200 fly, my goggles fill up with water the first 25 and I swim blind for 175 meters, I revert back to what I did in, in, in training and counted my strokes. And I, knew, I know how many strokes I take, the first, second, third, and fourth 50 of all of my best 200 flaws. So I reverted back to that, and I was ready for that because I was mentally prepared for it. Um, I mean, this time around, I go up to put my cap on for the 800 free relay, and it rips. So naturally, I know that I can't represent somebody else's name, so I have to turn the cap inside out. It's just, it's just something that I've always been prepared for. Just, it was something my coach did from a very young age and continued to try to just improve that game step by step. I'll follow that up by then asking you, they always say you learn more in defeat than success. You've had an awful lot of success. I've had big defeats, though. Well, well let's, let, let, me, let me ask you that. What is the defeat that rankles most? What is the defeat you learned more, most from? Uh, I mean, there have been a couple. I mean, 2002, when I got beat in the 200 fly at Pam Pax in Fukuoka in Japan, uh, I got beat in the 200 fly because I felt that I wanted to do the training my way and not listen to what my coach was saying. So that was a good learning experience for me earlier in my career, just to trust my coach more. Um, Another one was the 200 fly in 2012 in London. Um, I mean, I, I didn't watch that race for two or three years because it just, it off, to be honest. Because, like, I, I mean, what I did cost me the race. You know, missing my third turn cost me the race. Not going to work out when I should have cost me that race. So it was my fault, and I got what I deserved. Um, but so those, I mean, for me, when I did have a defeat, I'm obviously very quiet. I'm very upset. And... I know that when I'm training, that's still in my head. That, that, those replays still play in my head because I don't want that feeling again. I never want the feeling of defeat, and that's what kept me going and kept me going harder and harder every day. I mean, for me, I think the biggest thing was the sacrifices that I made in training. Like, I mean, go back to what I said. Like, I did things differently than other people did in training. I worked harder than they did. You know, I, somebody asked me the other day, they said, do you feel bad about winning, winning medals? And I looked at him like, I was like, huh? It's like, no, not one bit. Like, I, that's why I went to practice every day. That's why I worked as hard as I did every day, because I didn't want anybody to beat me. I wanted to stay on top of the mountain as, as, as long as I could, and I, if somebody wanted to knock me off, I was ready for a challenge. 
And finally, as we approach the end of the show, what better way to bid you adieu than by getting some advice from the very best in Michael Phelps? Never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Um, I mean, I could share tons of stories of times where I wanted to quit swimming from the age of 15 to 25, 26, um, where I didn't enjoy it. And I think that's something that, that, you know, for me, I finally found that I shouldn't quit and I shouldn't give up because of the goals that I had. That's something that's so important. I cannot stress that enough. Um, for me to be able to be where I am today and, and to accomplish the things that I've done, um, I had to have lofty goals. Like, there was, there was nothing else that motivated me. For me, I always, I listen to The Sky is the Limit. It's a Biggie Small song, and it's what I believed. Because I think that's tr- it's, it's the truth. The sky is the limit. And if you want something bad enough, you're the only person that can stop you from achieving that. So you have to dream and believe that you can achieve whatever you want. And, and, you know, for me, people probably look at me like I was crazy wanting to win eight gold medals. But I believed it. I believed I could do it. And I put the time and the effort into it. I sacrificed things. I was dedicated. I think that's, that's one thing that is really important. Never, ever give up. Because, look, my career was not a smooth career. I had big bumps in my career. I had big ups and I had big downs. Um, it's not easy, but if you want something bad enough, you can achieve any possible thing you want. I believe that 100%. It goes for all of you, too. Never you all should up, have guys. goals. Have goals that you want to achieve. Make them challenging. Make them something meaningful to you. That's what made me get out of bed every day, even when I didn't want to. I had those goals. So my goal is from Rio. I had them sitting in my closet. I got back from Rio, and I kind of ignored them for a while because I knew I didn't achieve every one of them. And I looked at them, and I achieved one, my, my 100 free uh, on the relay. I was 47-1. That's what I wanted to go. Um, I didn't achieve my 200 IM goal. didn't achieve my, my 100 fly, my 200 fly. I didn't achieve any of those goals, and I was very frustrated. Um, for me, I... I the biggest goal that I didn't accomplish last year was I wanted to break another world record. I wanted to break 40 world records. That was what I wanted to do. And it's probably still going to frustrate me for a while until I figure out how to let it go. But I, 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 I'm very hard on myself. When I told my coach, I, I texted him and I said, well, we didn't really accomplish that much in Rio, and in a joking way. And he, he just said, let it go. Um, and for me, it's, you know, that's where I am. I'm, I'm in the process of trying to, like we talked about earlier, go through every Olympics and catch up through my career. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's a hard time when I don't accomplish my goals, but now I have the chance to change it and do more outside of the pool, and that's something that I'm excited for. So your goals should be meaningful, and if you don't accomplish them, don't give up. One from the locker of Offscript Extra Time. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.